Welcome back to another episode of Ramiumptum Ruminations. I'm the host, Scott. <laughs> Sorry, I was laughing when I said that. Today's episode is called The Dichotomy of Control and the Power of Could. Thanks for coming back to listen to another episode. I apparently am a liar. <laughs> if you listened to last week's episode, I said that it would be the last one I put out this year. But as I reflected on some of the things that I talked about and thought about what I said in the episode, I decided that I that I should say a little bit more on the subject. Now, in my own assessment of, of the previous episode, I feel like I presented the facts and the details about the situation, about the dichotomy of control and what we can and can't do in our interpersonal relationships. But I didn't offer a ton of advice or a what to do <laughs> about the situation. And so in today's episode, I want to talk about that. So if you haven't listened to the previous episode, I do recommend going back and listening to the metaphor of the archer episode 31 and then coming back to this one if you just want to power through on this one i will give uh, some definitions but i feel like that previous episode will be helpful for the discussion that we're going to have today before i jump into this i want to talk about what went through my mind as i was preparing and deciding to make this episode i've talked a little bit about my personal relationships with my family and loved ones that are still members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Many of those relationships are strained. Some of them are very good, and some of them are stronger after having left the church. It's such an interesting thing that happened. Leaving the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints was the hardest decision I've ever made in my entire life. The hardest thing I've ever done. I feel like that's saying something because in my short 35 years that I've been on this rock spinning around orbiting the sun, I've gone through some things, some very hard personal challenges, suicidal ideation, severe depression, undiagnosed mental disorders, you know, <laughs> a wide range of unpleasant things. But leaving the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and the discussions I've had with loved ones since were some of the hardest things I ever had to go through. There's one relationship in particular that I want to focus on, and I'll be a little personal here without sharing too many details. And, and I'm going to do this as delicately as I can. My parents are very good people, excellent, upstanding citizens. They are kind, they serve their community, and they love their family. My personality does not mesh with theirs, and that's no fault of my parents. Now that 
that understanding and that statement that I just made took a lot of work for me to approach that in a healthy way. My parents have an excellent relationship with most of my other siblings, but not with me. And it's no fault of theirs, and it's no fault of mine. Things complicated this throughout my life. Undiagnosed ADHD, depression, and and lots of other things that made this relationship strained. Uh, We have always loved each other, and they've always been there for me and supported me. But we haven't always communicated well. And my leaving the church exacerbated this. So here, here I am in this situation, and, and I'm going into some detail onto this because I feel like it might be useful to some of the listeners because I don't want to present myself as being an exemplar of, of the happiest, most well-balanced life because I'm not. I have struggles just like everybody else. But what I do want to talk about is some of the practices that I do in my relationships to try and make it better. So going back to the dichotomy of control that we talked about last week. So I'll I'll briefly break down like the four most important points of the dichotomy of control. The first point is everything falls into one of two categories. Everything in this life. It's either something we control or something we don't control. Simple enough. The next thing would be identifying the things that we control and what those things might be. The things that we control are our emotions, our behaviors, and our reactions to situations. Now, I want to put a, a stipulation on emotions. What I, what I mean by that is our, our emotions are the reactions to our feelings. So if we feel offended or if we feel angry, the stories we build around those are the emotions that we have. So our emotions are what we control. But there's nothing else. Nothing else is under our control. People, other people's behaviors, their reactions to us, the world around us at large, and our reputation. Those, all of those things are outside of our control. And the focus, the main focus of stoicism is to identify which things are in our control and focus on those things. And that will lead to a happier life. In last week's episode, I went through the metaphor of the archer to kind of to express this idea at length. And I talked about a more modern analogy of a business owner. For this next connection, I'm going to lean a little bit on, on some Buddhist philosophy. In Buddhism, the source of suffering, one of the causes of suffering in this world, as defined by the Buddha, is wanting the world to be different than it is. And to simplify this, I want to use, again, I'm going to lean on some Buddhist um, ideology. When we think about our relationships, and I'll use this example of my own. When we look at our relationships, when I look at my relationship with my parents, and I say, I should have a good relationship with them, or it's right to have a good relationship with them and wrong to have a bad relationship with them. When I ascribe meaning to it, such as the way the world is now as being bad, as it should not be this way, that causes suffering. So what I want to recommend when we look at our lives and our relationships 
It could be our spouses, our siblings, our children. If what we want is not reality, that will cause us pain. And for a long time, that was a a major cause of the pain and anguish that I felt even before religious deconstruction. I looked at the relationship that my parents had with my other siblings. And in my mind, that was right. That's what it should look like between me and them. But that wasn't the case. And I said, no fault of theirs, no fault of mine. We are just very different people. And that's okay. But before I did the thought work to change my mind on this, it caused me a lot of pain. Now, when I spoke last week, I talked about the archer and the things that are within the archer's control to hit the target. And I'll relate that with relationships a little bit better this week. Again, we're going into the holiday season, and I think this is excellent advice and excellent things to think about as we're going to meet with our families. Many of us that have gone through this religious deconstruction have strained relationships with our loved ones. We need to reframe it. I had to put the thought work into these relationships to reframe them. As I said briefly, I'm kind of covering a lot of subjects and I apologize, but I said briefly under the dichotomy of control that emotions are under our control, but feelings are not. My emotions to my parents are under my control. I can still feel sad that I'm not as close to them as I want to be. I can feel sad that my relationships with so many people were impacted negatively because of my decision to leave the church. I'm allowing myself to feel that sadness. And there's no expectation that it will go away or that it will stay forever. I get to feel it as long as it's here. I get to sit with it. The part that I get to decide is what I do with those feelings. I feel sad that I'm not as close to my parents as my other siblings are. I feel sad that because I left the church, this relationship is strained even further. Now, I could ascribe meaning to those, and I did for a long time, and the meaning I, I put on those feelings was that was that it would never work, or that the relationship that I had was wrong, or that I was doing something wrong, or there was something wrong with me. And I built all of these stories around these feelings. And they were unhealthy. And it wasn't until I allowed myself to feel, allowed myself to be sad, to experience the emotions that are very normal, but experience them apart from the emotions that I had built around them. Now, there's a lot of different models for thought work. There's the the mindfulness one. My wife actually, (laughs) funny anecdote, and my wife for a long time had been studying mindfulness and working with with, um, some life coaches. And she wanted me to, to study it alongside her, but I never did. I thought it was kooky and weird until I started studying Buddhism and I go to my wife and I say to her, wow, you wouldn't believe these concepts that I'm learning from Buddhism. (laughs) She looks at me funny and she says, those are the same things I've been trying to tell you to do because of my mindfulness coaches. 
And it was just this really funny interaction. Anyway, thought work is basically trying to understand where our feelings come from and and stopping ourselves from ascribing meaning or emotions to those feelings that aren't there. Thinking of this dichotomy of control, the metaphor of the archer, like we talked about last week. In this relationship with my parents, what can I control? When we look at these relationships, a lot of the times we ascribe this should, it should look like this. But if we change that word should to the word could, and instead of saying, I should have a good relationship with my parents, if I say to myself, I could have a good relationship with my parents, how would that influence the way I acted? I should have a good relationship with my spouse, or I could have a good relationship with my spouse. Instead of feeling sad about something that's outside of your control, we shift the focus on the things that are in our control. If I want a good relationship with my parents, what could I do? When we're together and they're discussing things that I have no interest in, and subjects that frustrate me, because if I open my mouth and tell them what I'm thinking, it will just cause an argument. And so I oftentimes stay quiet and brood and get frustrated. I could allow them to be happy as members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and let them finish what they want to say and then change the subject. I could act like a good son. Instead of being moody and broody, I could be happy it's this simple change in attitude that has affected my relationship with my parents. I, one of the major changes as I was working through this thought work is I wanted to be closer to them because I love them. But I didn't know what that should look like. Instead, I thought about what it could look like. And I focus on the things that we do have in common. I reach out to them. And I express my love for them. Because that's what I can control. I can't control that they're members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and that they did not deconstruct their religion. I can't control that. I have no control over that. And I have no control over whether or not they will ever listen to any of the reasons why I left. I have no control over that. But what I do control is how I treat them. That doesn't mean I don't get offended. That doesn't mean I don't feel my emotions or feel sad or upset. Because I do. I do feel emotions. I do have feelings about the relationship I have with my parents. But I focus on the parts that I can control. And shifting the focus on what it could be and what I could do to make it better, the relationship has improved dramatically. I don't have any expectation that I'll be best friends with them or have the same relationship with them that my other siblings do. I simply let the relationship be what it is. Now I recognize that this specific example may not resonate with everybody. Everybody's family and everybody, everybody's relationships are unique 
and they require their own thought and consideration when approaching them. This sort of thought work, if you will, is something that I do with all of my relationships. With my spouse, with my children, with my siblings, with my friends, I try and separate my feelings from my emotions. And I try and feel and allow myself to feel those feelings. I want to read one of my favorite sonnets. It's a famous sonnet of Shakespeare. It's Sonnet 116. And it's it emphasizes one of my favorite aspects of this type of relationship work. And I'll read it because it's it's so beautifully written. Let me not to the marriage of true minds admit impediments. Love is not love, which alters when it alteration finds, or bends with the remover to remove. Oh no, it is an ever-fixed mark that looks on tempests and is never shaken. It is the star to every wandering bark, whose worth's unknown, although his height be taken, loves not time's fool, though rosy lips and cheeks within his bending sickle's compass come. Love alters not with his brief hours and weeks, but bears it out even to the edge of doom. If this be error and upon me proved, I never writ, nor man ever loved. My favorite line in that sonnet is right in the beginning. Love is not love, which alters when it alteration finds. Real love doesn't change when the person that you love changes. When you love a person, you love them for who they are and who they will be in the future. You love them for who they were in the past. It's this concept that, it's, it's cliche, but love conquers all. In my own marriage, it's mixed faith, as I said, when I left the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, it tested our relationship. It tried what our marriage really was. And ultimately, my wife and I found that our love doesn't change when she or I change. In fact, it grows. For whatever reason, she has chose to stay around, to be a part of my life, even when I didn't follow the path that she and I originally agreed on. And this, this same type of love is what we should extend to the rest of the people in our lives. Just because I don't have a fantastic relationship with my parents doesn't mean that I should love them any less. As they've turned more spiritual in their elderly years, and I have shifted away from the church, into a different brand of spirituality. Love is not love, which alters when it alteration finds. They are different people than they were when I lived with them as a kid. But I still love them. And that's why I put in the work to try and maintain and develop a relationship with them, even when it's hard. I think I mentioned briefly in the previous episode that these last two episodes are just as much focused on things that I need to hear 
as they are on things that I think the audience needs to hear. I can control how I treat them. I can't control how they react to me and how they react to me having left the church. But I love them, and I can control how I treat them. And I choose to treat them like I love them and want to be a part of their life. Even if it hurts sometimes. And I know that it does. But it doesn't only hurt me. It hurts them too. Because just as I have had expectations of how the world should be, and it caused me suffering, they have expectations of how the world should be, and how they want me to be a member of the church. And that causes them pain. And so when I go into these relationships and these encounters, I recognize that we both feel that hurt. And we both want to work on making it better. One of the things that's so hard to quantify and express about the way religious deconstruction has affected me is I love people so much more than I used to. And I feel that love in return so much more than I used to. I'll finish off with two more lines of this sonnet that are so powerful. And Shakespeare's talking specifically about death here, but I think it has a lot more meaning that we can imbue into it. Love's not time's fool, though rosy lips and cheeks. Within his bending sickles, compass come. Now, uh, it's important that the, the word time is capitalized. He's uh, personifying it as... Um, almost as death. And, and in, in the next line, he talks about a sickle and rosy lips and cheeks, you know, referring to the fact that the time will come, we will one day die, or these relationships will change. That's something that will happen to every relationship. <laughs> I, I don't mean to get morbid, and I hope that this isn't off-putting to some people, but We will all die one day. My parents will pass away and I will pass away. So will my spouse and my children and their children will one day all pass away. The point that he's trying to put across with this is that that the love that we feel is eternal. And even when things change, when people die, or when the person is no longer who you thought they were, or who you remembered them being. Death and change will come to everyone. But real love will outlast any change or any death. So as you're sitting with your family this holiday season, as you're interacting with people that you loved and have known your whole life, whether they be friends, spouses, in-laws, children, grandparents, whatever the relationship is, as we go into this this time of getting together with our loved ones, think about this dichotomy of control. Think about these relationships and frame it in a way of what it could look like. If you don't have the closeness or if the relationship doesn't look like what you want it to, what could it look like? And then apply the principle of the dichotomy of control to it. Do what you can 
to try and make it look like the way you want it to. Our relationships get so muddled with time and countless interactions and countless mistakes. On both sides, in order for me to find the happiness, contentment with the way I lead my life, I have to choose the type of person that I want to be, and I get to choose how I want to interact with these people. I know how it makes me feel when I push them away and harbor that resentment. I know how that feels, and I don't like it. I know how it feels to try my hardest and do everything that's right and still be rejected and still have the relationship just not work out the way I want. And that's hard too. And the only thing we can control as we go into interacting with our families is how we treat them. And I choose kindness. I choose love. And I let that kindness and I let that love dictate the way I interact with them and treat them. It's not easy. In fact, it's been one of the biggest struggles of my entire adult life. But I am happier with myself and the person that I am when I put in this effort. Spend time with those that you love. Hug them. Love them with all your heart, without any expectation on who they should or should not be. Love them for who they are. Even if the person they are is not what you think or expect or thought that they would be. Love is not love that alters when it alteration finds. Ah, Shakespeare is so great. Love, love the sonnets. Enjoy the holiday season. I know it can be difficult for those that have deconstructed, but as someone who does not believe in the literal divinity of Jesus, I still enjoy the season. For me, it's, it's much like the traditions of Santa Claus. I love that my kids believe in Santa Claus and get excited for him and, and the whole magic of the season. As funny as it might sound, that's, that's the way I look at Christmas with my family and loved ones that believe. This belief makes them better people during the holidays. And I want to be a part of that. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. All that. Stay safe. Drink responsibly. And as I said last week, my focus this holiday season is working on the strained relationships. As hard as it might be, I've already reached out to people that, that I have struggled to connect with since leaving the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Whether that turns into something or not is outside of my control. I can live comfortably knowing that I still love them and still want a relationship, regardless of what they decide to do with the relationship on their end. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for interacting with me on Facebook, sending messages, pushing back where you disagreed with me. This has been an awesome first year. It's not quite a year yet. I've been doing this for six months, maybe. I don't know, my 30 episodes was that. So 30 weeks. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for liking it on the various podcast platforms and YouTube. 
commenting, sharing with your friends. I appreciate everything that you guys have done in this community for me in my first year. And so going into the next year, I have some big plans. I have a lot of subjects that I want to cover. Again, I still have some that I mentioned a couple months ago that I haven't gotten to. I've actually recorded the episodes. I just haven't edited them yet. I want to talk a couple of weeks about being a covenant breaker and a son of perdition. <laughs> I, I think those are loaded terms. But on one hand, they accurately describe the way my family thinks of me. I want to talk about the devil. So, so look forward to that one. Um, one of the other projects that I'm working on is my friend Paul. He and I have been recording um, off and on uh, some chats about the Gospel Topics essays. I plan, I hope to release those next year. But what I want to do is I want to record all of them with my friend and then release them consecutively. So instead of releasing the ones that he and I have already recorded, I want to record them all and then put them out for you guys um, sequentially rather than putting them out once a month or, or whatever the schedule might look like. So I'm working on that as well. I've got a lot of things planned for 2022. I'm really excited for the discussions and the topics that we're going to cover. I had a great listener as well reach out and ask about some of my word choice, some of the things that I say and how I say them and what the, what they might mean. And one of the things that I have said on occasion is, is choosing to believe. So I've, I've got a lot of subjects to cover. So I've got lots, a lot planned for next year. As I said, I'm taking next week off. So I will see you guys on January 3rd when I post next onto the podcast. Stay, stay safe. Happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. And for those of you in the future, Happy Tuesday. I don't know what day it's going to be when you listen to this. So I hope that you all have an excellent day, whatever day that might be in the future. <laughs>